So today we are here, like I can see something's coming and I'm afraid. Today we are here with Steven. Sometimes when I start drinking, my does all my thinking. That is a tease, ladies and gentlemen, for my creator shout out at the end of the episode. What's up? Happy to be back. Let's get after it. And Rachel. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me. We're pretty impressed that I censored myself within the first like 30 <laughs> seconds there, right? Yeah, we uh, are. Because I really could have just full sent and we could have already been in it. But no, I said, <laughs> we'll start team and see how the episode goes. Um, but this is not about me and my lack of self-control. Rachel, welcome to the pod. We, of course, have known you for a while now. Um, and we're really excited for the listeners to get to know you a bit better. So why don't we start with... Just a little bit about yourself, your house, your Patronus, and your favorite character. All right. Well, I'm Rachel on um, Instagram. I recently changed my name from Ravenclaw Yogi to Ravenclaw Reads um, just because I noticed that I wanted to share a little bit more of my book love versus um, all of my yoga stuff. It's all still on there, but I just thought the name reflected me a little bit better. Um, I am a very proud Ravenclaw. Um, Some would call me a Raven Puff, which is fine. Um, Actually, my husband and I, we honeymooned in Universal and it was before I like deep dove back into Harry Potter. It was always a favorite of mine as a child. And I didn't know officially from Pottermore what my house was. I told him I always thought I was a Hufflepuff. He was like, no, you need to take the test. So I took it the night before we went to Universal and discovered I was a Ravenclaw through and through. Um, ah, my Patronus. Um my Patronus is a Swift. I completely forget what it represents, but I remember when I took it, I was like, wow, I love this. <laughs> um, when I first took the test, I missed a question and I got a bloodhound and I am a cat mom. So I was a little bit offended by that. So I was glad when I retook it, I got something that represented me better. Wait, what do you mean you missed a question? This isn't like a right and a wrong thing. <laughs> like, did you just not answer one? Is that how we got to Bloodhound? Yeah, I didn't know that it was like timed, like you had a certain amount of time to answer it. I was at work <laughs> and I was taking the quiz and I was really thinking hard on this answer. And I guess I thought too long. That happened to me too. I completely forgot about that. I'm like, oh yeah, I did time out on one of them. <laughs> so a swift yeah, for those that don't know is a type of bird. Yeah, I didn't know that, so thank you. I was like, I need to Google this. <laughs> All right. And then you've touched on pieces of it, but let's hear how you got into Harry Potter. Well, I have loved books since I was little. And my grandmother, when we were younger, she would always take us out to dinner and then go with us to pick out our presents. It would be a memory that we would share together. And every year I wanted to go to Barnes and Noble and it was my ninth birthday. So it was 1999 and we went into Barnes and Noble and they had this big display of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And I was like, I want this book. And I went home and immediately made my mom, her and I would read together before I'd fall asleep. I was like, mom, we need to start this tonight. So we started the books that night. And ever since then we would pre-order. I never did the midnight events other than the movies. But we pre-ordered the books and they would arrive and I would read them with my mom and then she would read them with my brothers. And 
Yeah, until I went to college. And that's about when the last book came out. I was about to start my senior year. And I unfortunately didn't get to read Deathly Hollows until I was an adult. So then what made you come back to the series if you grew up with it and loved it, mom, brother, full in? The way you just described it, maybe this wasn't what you meant to say, but like you went to college and it kind of fell off for a little bit and you came back to it. So kind of how, how did that work, right? Like what, what made it go away, so to speak, and how did it come back? So I think what made it go away, quote unquote, is I cheered at a D2 college and I was also cheering professionally at the same time and on a competitive team. So I was cheering on three teams, going for a degree in meteorology. So I didn't really read all that much other than what I had to for school while I was in college. So just kind of like my love for the books that I grew up with was kind of just like in the back of my mind. And um, my husband just kind of helped me accept all of the facets of who I am when we first started dating, whether it be a weather nerd or a book nerd, whatever you want to say. Um, so he actually suggested that we go to Universal for our honeymoon. And I was like, yeah, sure. That would be great. I'd love to see Hogwarts. And um, while we were there, I was just like, you know what? I want to reread these books. And then ever since then, I've been rereading them once or twice every year. Okay, we're going to go on a complete aside here, Danny, so you can choose how you want to edit this section. But Rachel, where did you grow up? I'm sorry, I don't think I caught that. That's okay. I am in Maryland. I'm in Bel Air, Maryland. Okay. Um, And is that where you cheered throughout the years? Partially. um, I started cheering in high school, so my high school was in Bel Air. And then I went to a D2 college in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Millersville University. Yep. That was where I went. Loved it there so much. I cheered there and um, I cheered professionally for the USA cheerleaders. I was on the East Coast team. So we traveled everywhere. I think the furthest I ended up going was Gulfport, Mississippi. Yeah, see, I can't touch my toes if you you bribed me to do it. But some of my very best friends growing up were huge in a competitive cheer from North Carolina. And and they did all of the the worlds or whatever at Mm -hmm. Walt Disney World. And Mm -hmm. um, me too. Was it, oh boy. They uh, cheer extreme. Cheer extreme. Mm-hmm. And then there was one from Greensboro, maybe cheer elite or something. I don't, uh, one of my friends, her name was Maddie Gardner. Oh yeah. I followed her. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, she, <laughs> she was like the first cheer celebrity. <laughs> yeah. And it was bizarre for us. Cause like I, we didn't know her in that lens. And all of a sudden she's like, yeah, you know, like there's like a move named, I don't know, whatever. It's fine. Mm-hmm. The ball um, up 360. Yeah. <laughs> if you say so again, I can't. Touch I was her. at the same worlds as her. <laughs> That's what a small world. Yeah. Right. Um, anywho, I, yeah, I, I, I feel a weird connection to the world of competitive cheer. Cause some of my like good friends were so hyper involved in it. Uh, but again, you know, I, I huff and puff and I try to go up the stairs cause I get <laughs> you know, winded. Um, let's bring us back on topic here, Steven. I'm curious. You mentioned a couple of times now that your husband was kind of the, the person who helped bring you back into the world. You had your honeymoon down at Universal. What house is he? And as a follow-up, how has, other than of course, reintroducing you to the world of Harry Potter, how has he impacted like what the series means to you? Well, he is also a Ravenclaw. (laughs) He is somehow more Ravenclaw than I am, but um, I love that about him. 
So he is full on totally a-okay with my potter room also being like the Ravenclaw common room. Um, I think like when I really, other than going to the parks and rereading the books and everything, I had a serious injury from cheerleading. I had my eye socket was broken and my nose was broken and it was terrifying for me. And during that time, I really latched on to Hagrid's quote, what's coming will come and we'll meet it when it does. And he was there for me every step of the way, as well as my mom to make sure that like I felt comfortable and safe and that no matter what happened, that they would be there for me. We also watched Worlds during that time. (laughs) Um, But just having that support from him and knowing that like he loves the story and loves it in similar ways that I do and respects my love for it. Do you and your husband's Ravenclaw interests like overlap or you like, are like, is he also very into books? Are they the same like type of books you read? Like do you guys have similar reading interests? So yes and no. Lately, our date nights, I say that with air quotes, have been um, reading together. We just got back from Deep Creek, which is in Western Maryland. So beautiful. We planned all of our time around hiking and reading. (laughs) Um, He right now has been really into Star Wars and he and I are working. Well, he's let me rephrase that. He is a Star Wars super fan. He's really right now into reading the Star Wars books, um, the ones that are canon. He read the ones that are no longer canon when he was a child. So that's what he's currently reading. Um, So sometimes I'll finish one and then he'll read it and then it's vice versa. The one that I just finished that he read was the one about Count Dooku. I know this is not Harry Potter, but... (laughs) We had a um, Star Wars pod and a Mandalorian (laughs) one. We're good. I'm going to need to learn more about the fact that there are books because that's something that's new to me and I'm intrigued. I'll send it to you. Um, I I do not remember who the person is, but there is someone on Instagram who put together a list of like timeline accurate canon books there's a lot some of them are um like children's books and some of them are um like comic books and some of them are also like young adult to adult kind of books they're a wide variety they're all really interesting written by different authors um but there's a really cohesive story behind it so that somebody put that list together and we've been working through it I also act that I have time to read books I, I was about to say I'm like we literally just did, a, did an episode where we recommended a book and you're like, yeah, I'll read that in 2025 when I have time. (laughs) Yeah. It's a great thought. It's, it's a wonderful, like even in a world where hypothetically I take a vacation at some point this year, I know that I'm not going to read on vacation because then I'm just going to sit in a chair somewhere and try to sleep and just kind of lay there like restlessly. So please do send me the list. And my heart, wants everyone to know that I really want to read these books. Um, But we'll see if it happens. Star Wars does a wonderful job with their audiobooks that I know, like you have to also find time for audiobooks, um, but they do wonderful production with that. They have music and background. It's almost like there's a specific ASMR for each room you're listening to while you're listening to it. See, this is going to sound ironic given that I co-host one podcast and host a second. (laughs) I am not able to retain information too well over like an auditory format. Um, Like I enjoy listening to interviews on podcasts because I like hearing people's stories. But when it comes to like a book, I don't know why, but because it's the exact same concept, it shouldn't be that different, but it just goes in one ear and out the next. (laughs) 
I, I know you were just trying to be super helpful and propose alternative <laughs> ideas. I'm like, no, fuck that. Um, just, yeah, I don't know what it is. Um, I can't, I can't do audio. I've tried. Like I, I even, I can't do digital books. I can't do audio books. I need like an actual, you know, tree killing thing of paper in my hand. <laughs> turn. I don't know what it is. Danny, I'm rambling at this point. Get me back on track, please. All right. So this will go into your bookstagram. So you did a lot of posting and joined the Pottergram community. So how did you get involved there? Because that is, at least I know that's where I met you. And I'm assuming that's where Steven met you also. I believe so. So I was, like I had said earlier, when I had that injury from cheerleading and it was really scary, I was worried that I was going to end up having surgery, which I'm terrified of all things medical. So <laughs> I really didn't want that to happen. And um, I had said to my husband, if I end up not needing surgery, why don't we take that money that we would have put aside for the surgery and go back to Universal? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. So we went and we cosplayed the whole shebang. Um, so I went down there and I was like taking a bunch of pictures and I had already been posting more Harry Potter yoga. Like some of my earlier pictures were me practicing wearing something Harry Potter and talking about how the two mean so much to me on a personal level. And um, then I wanted to share all of the stuff from our our trip. And he was like, listen, you don't have a Harry Potter Instagram. I was like, hold the phone. I can make one. <laughs> so that's what I did. And I think that's um, kind of what I wanted to share the most. I was talking with um, Shelby and Savannah of the Tipsy Wizards. I actually um, am lucky enough that pre-COVID, I was able to hang out with Shelby quite often. We went to a lot of Potter trivia, Potter cons, all of the fun things. Um, but they were kind of like my inspiration behind it to share all of my trip pictures. And then I got a pass and then 2020 happened and I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> so that's where I started sharing more of the yoga and books. We just talked about your Star Wars books. What others, because I've seen the books that you post about and they're very much up my alley. What genres do you like reading? Or if that's easier, what genres do you not like reading? <laughs> um, I'm pretty niche. <laughs> I think it goes without saying that I enjoy fantasy. Um, I've recently gotten more into adult versus young adult. I think because I'm at this like crazy crisis in my life where I'm like, I'm 30. What am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to relate to? <laughs> um, but I also discovered from A Court of Thorns and Roses, I know Gerald Depper, Minister of Magic, was just talking about how much he loved it. He and I actually buddy read that together. So we had the fun chance to discuss it as we read it. And um, that one is just epic fantasy with a beautiful romance. That was like a five-star life-changing kind of a read for me. So um, fantasy romance, that's a new one for me, but that's up there. Sci-fi goes without saying as well. I've read a lot of sci-fi books. I very much enjoy that. And then, um, Stephen, I think you'll like this. I really love, um, oh no, I just forgot the word. Oh, historical fiction. <laughs> yes. I was going to say like, I don't know, war fiction, because I do a lot of um, World War II novels, but um, kind of like anything set in those areas. Yeah. I, I brought a book upstairs to suggest to you specifically because it is a historical fiction. 
Danny, I really love when our guests come far more prepared than I could ever hope to be <laughs> these episodes. Uh, that's incredible. That blows my mind is maybe a bit strong of a cliche because you're a nice person. You are thoughtful and kind. Like this is what you do. Um, but yeah, wow. Um, I really do. I I say this and then people at work give me more things to do. I really do want to read more. So I happily will accept any and all recommendations. And I know Gerald just going to listen to this and say, you didn't accept any of mine. Also, <laughs> where's your beard? Because he always throws that in. Um, but I'm really excited for this. I, I will say, um, while I always loved your yoga heavy content, because again, in my head, I like to think I'm a lot more like thoughtful and again, spiritual is not the right word, but kind of more just connected to my body and the world than I really am. Um, I really love your book content because I did grow up reading a ton. I was always the kid that my parents had to yell at me to turn the light off at the end of the night because I was reading. Um, and so even if I'm not reading myself, I love your Instagram profile because it allows me in some way, shape or form to escape into the world of books, even in the most minuscule kind of engagement of ways. So um, that's all to say, I, I do love what you do and I do love reading I also just love getting paid to work. So, you know. <laughs> well, thank you for saying all that. Danny, I'm all over the place tonight. I'm, see, I'm on topic. I, I've been worse in terms of tangents, um, but my thoughts are just all over the place. Do we think the listeners like this? Listeners, let us know. Write in to Creating Magic Podcast, either DM the Instagram and Danny will handle it at creating magic podcast or shoot us an email, creating magic podcast at gmail.com. Danny will still handle that as well, but different outlet. Um, and let us know if you like kind of these rambling uh, tangential thoughts of mine. And if not, I probably won't stop, but good to know. Yeah. I don't think anything can actually stop you. Well, as someone with ADHD, it is very relatable and I appreciate it. <laughs> this was on this week's episode, a controversial question for Stephen because he did not like our guest response. What is your favorite kind of butter beer? Ooh. So I've only had hot butter beer once, but I really enjoyed it. Other than the hot butter beer, so I think hot butter beer is top, but the frozen was definitely my second. That was my favorite until I got to try hot butter beer. I like to make it at home. Again, Tipsy Wizards, they have some really great recipes on there. And um, the fantastic Alexandra, she had shared a great hot butterbeer recipe. I made that um, and my parents stopped by during COVID. We stood outside and I brought them out little individual hot butterbeers and we chatted and <laughs> drank them. It was fantastic. So here is a question on the note of COVID, which I hate saying that, but on the note of COVID, how have you, I guess maybe have you found your relationship with the series and, and the fandom and the community, have you felt that change at all over the course of this past year of social distancing and quarantining and pandemicking? Um, I feel like that's a little bit of a yes and no. I was doing a lot of like social events. I would go to a lot of Harry Potter trivia. That was my jam. That was how like I felt alive was going to those and trying to win. Um, I also really liked to dress up and go places and take pictures with Shauna. Um, and like I said, I had bought an annual pass to Universal for 2020, so I couldn't get down there. And I think that 
so <laughs> slight digression, but the actual weekend that the parks closed in March, I was supposed to go down with my mom and her and I were supposed to go. It was going to be her first time and it was her birthday weekend. So that really made it challenging to, um, I don't know, kind of find where my place was still, especially because at that time, my main focus on my page was sharing my park pictures. And like, I loved putting together a fun outfit for Harry Potter. I say loved, but I still do it um, just in a different capacity. So I think having to, and that sounds so trivial, like, oh, I had to cancel a trip with my mom to keep us safe. But at the same time, that would have been something like so special for us. And we'll get there eventually. But um, I think that having to change how I shared my love and felt a part of the community and the fandom, um, just uh, challenging, but at the same time, no, like I own my own business and we get really busy at Christmas time. And normally I would read the books, but I was just in a movie mood. So I binged all of the movies and being able to watch that just brought me back home, made me feel centered again, gave me like the push that I needed to get through it, um, made me feel the love for the fandom that I felt like I'd been missing since I've been kind of stuck at home. Um, being an essential worker during all of this, working in childcare, I am surrounded by babies basically who need me, who need me to be close with them. So I haven't been able to be close with others other than my husband who lives in my house with me. So a little bit of challenge, a little bit of finding my center. I feel like hopefully other people have been able to find their center through it too. And on the note of both the beginning of this pandemic and also finding your center, I'm not sure how we made it by my estimation about 30 ish minutes into this podcast without mentioning the fact that one of the ways that I think we got to know you beyond just the Instagram feed was you played a very large role in both opening and closing magic from home con, which somehow was almost a year ago. And I don't like thinking about that, but um, you, you brought um, yoga classes, both to the opening and the closing of magic from home con, um, which again, we really appreciate and I'll forever say thank you for, but also um, was really cool for us in the sense that, you know, Danny and I, and by extension, of course, Brandy and Chelsea, um, love being able to engage with our friends and, and fellow fans across the community with whatever their Harry Potter related passion is, um, right? Anytime, like whether it's Brad and his cupcakes and puddings and, and all of that, whether it's, um, you know, Gerald Karina Trey, Tre, Amon and Ellie and their photo editing and, and their, and their push for better representation, whether it's yoga, whether it's music, I, I don't care. Like, it's great. I love it all. Um, so that was really, really special. Um, yeah, that was really, really special. There's no question mark there. Just kind of a, a statement, I suppose. Well, thank you. That was, when I say this, I genuinely mean it, that that was a life dream come to fruition, Ever since I got my yoga teacher training, I had been pushing at all of the places that I have taught to have a Harry Potter yoga flow, and it had never happened until Magic from Home. I was more nervous than I was before, like, a world's competition for cheerleading. <laughs> I was so nervous, but um, my one cat, Milo, he loves yoga, and I remember... Um, 
I was video chatting some friends on Marco Polo beforehand and I had sent a picture <laughs> or a video rather of Milo sitting on my mat and he was like yawning and I was jokingly narrating that he was telling everybody to take a deep breath before we started our practice. <laughs> so lots of great memories surrounding that. And I'm really grateful to have had that opportunity and to connect with so many people. Um, I actually still talk to a lot of people who took the class and reached out to me. So that helped me bring a little bit of community back into my life during COVID too. I love that. And that was kind of like the purpose behind us doing that in a way is just that so many of us are so used to being meeting up with our Potter friends. Like there's so many people we know that we're just not like Steven and I are not in a logical way to see each other regularly. Like we're getting to the point. It's been almost a year. Where you- thank, thank God for that. Let me just say, um, there's been a lot of bad things, obviously, with this pandemic. One of the highlights is that you can't hop on a plane anywhere because you know you're not trying to pick up Corona, um, which means that I can't see Danny. And it's been just a great year and change now. I, I I'm so glad you brought up Danny. I wasn't going to say anything, but now that you did. Uh, oh boy, it's 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 been excellent, frankly. I, you know, I hope that the pandemic ends, but I hope that there's some other travel restriction that takes place, so it's like a whole nother year. I feel the sarcasm dripping off of that. So mean. But things like that that allow you to meet new people and find other people that have those passions. Like I feel like that's one of the ways that we've kind of managed to survive this year. Definitely. So especially with you, with being around children, you can't go out with regular people. So the internet community is who you kind of lean on in that time. A hundred percent. I would say that like my friendships with the people that I considered my closest friends on the Pottergram have skyrocketed and, and I talk to them every single day. Um, Chelsea, a fandom fashionista, if I don't talk to her before I go to work in the morning, I panic and worry that like she's lost or something. <laughs> and the same goes for obviously like Shauna and um, Kat of Magic with Cat and Taylor Butterbeers and Mini Ears. Um, I've been so, so blessed to have that group of girls in my life to support me and listen to my crazy worries and, you know, be there for me every, every step of every day. Butterbeers with Mini Ears is one of the best Instagram names I've ever heard. And I don't know, candidly, if I follow you, but I'm rectifying that right now if I don't, because that's just one hell of a name. Right? I follow. Fantastic. Butterbeers. Oh, no, there you are. Um, I do follow you. Okay, well, my apologies. Oh, I recognize your content. I just didn't recognize yeah. the name. Oh, yeah, of course, the churros. How can I forget the churros? <laughs> she used to be O oh, for Fox's sake. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, I love this person. Way back in the day. We just need her to create everyone's Instagram names. Seriously. She's the pun queen. Wow. Okay. So then here's a good question. Cause I'll just fixate on that for a while. So let me put my phone away. (laughs) Now that we are, as we've established basically a year into social distancing uh, with no idea kind of what's going to happen for the rest of this year. What, what have you learned about yourself? I, I would imagine, and I don't want to put any more undue pressure on you here, but given the fact that you're a sort of certified yogi and you know, given the fact that you're a facilitator, a teacher, you know, a caregiver, right? Like 
I imagine you've spent a lot of time self-reflecting and thinking about this past year and what's changed for you just kind of introspectively. I'm curious uh, what you'd, what you'd want to share on that front. So there's two things that immediately come to mind. And the first thing was my first realization that I kind of like meditated on a little bit as we first headed into this and like all the division in our country leading up to and during COVID and even continuing just how everything has to be. I am we and you are they. And I feel like with COVID, we were forced to recognize that we are all humans. We are all on one planet. We are all interconnected. And no matter where we are, we're all facing this in some capacity. And I felt like that was such a huge revelation that I hope others have witnessed and felt as well, whether it be simply because of COVID or because they're learning that from their homes, they're able to communicate with their friends from all over the globe, whether they feel that they feel a connection to somebody else just because we're all going through this quarantine thing. Um, I feel like that connectedness, that oneness came from a not great place, but it can give you this feeling of less alone and more of recognizing that we all need to work together. We all need to realize that we're one. Um, The second thing is escapism. (laughs) I saw a video of, um, I mean, obviously everybody who listens to this is of all different ages, but myself, I'm an older millennial. So we have been through a lot. (laughs) We were children, not to get like deep or anything, but you asked the question. We were children when 9-11 happened. We, that was about the time that we were all pretty much coming to Harry Potter too. So we had that escapism then and we have that escapism now. Um, We've just seen so much and having that chance to escape into books, to escape into a world where you feel seen, where you feel that you can connect to something and feel a part of something bigger than yourself, I think is so important. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was able to read so many books this year, because if I was feeling sad, I could just jump into this world where I could be this like galactic savior who found all these crazy skills that she never knew she had, or, you know, just putting yourself into that world. That's not this one. <laughs> well, now I'm curious to circle all the way back to the front end of this conversation. What, what was so special about Harry Potter for you growing up? I know you said you read it with your mom and your brother and that obviously I, I don't want to diminish that in any way, shape or form, but given that you just said that escapism is such a big thing that you've clung on to throughout 2020 and now 2021, I'm, I'm curious, was Harry Potter growing up like a, a form of escapism for you? And not to say, as I've talked about many times on this podcast, not to say you necessarily were escaping from anything bad, um, but just a form of artistic escapism. I'm, I'm curious if there's a tie there. Yes, absolutely. So I went to a very small elementary and middle school where I was with the same maybe 20 people from kindergarten through eighth grade. And I was incredibly bullied for being the quiet girl. I am five foot one. So I was made fun of for being short. Um, you name it, I was made fun of for it. So when I went into Harry Potter and met this boy who was bullied all of his life by his family, by everyone around him, and then he found this place Hogwarts that is home. 
And he was able to find his chosen family, to find people who accepted him for who he was and was with him no matter what, no questions asked, um, to have people who cared about him and guided him and being able to find that in a story and know that there is hope out there for little nine-year-olds, 11-year-olds <laughs> to be able to find that in something in some capacity I think is really what struck a chord with me and why I kept coming back to it. You know, you also mentioned a couple minutes ago that people of all ages listen to this podcast. And again, it's a thing I've said once, it's a thing I'm going to say many times. I know in particular Potter Kid Reads and Chloe, I'm so sorry to your parents um, <laughs> for my continued presence on this podcast, really. Um, I just... I, I'm sorry. And for for anyone else out there who has a child who might be listening to my dulcet tones, I am so sorry. Um, boy, at some point, Danny, we're going to have to have a reckoning with my, with, with my content on this podcast. We're going to have to have a reckoning where we just go, Hey, Chloe and, and Potter kid, go start the kids version. <laughs> no, 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 we're not. No, 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 no. We're, there's already, look, we already compete with enough other quality podcasts out there. We're not introducing more competition, okay? Look, I already plug first year's pod and occasionally Puffcast and the Quibbler podcast. I'm not about to start gland, that's not a gland hatting, Jesus, glad handing competition <laughs> into the game here. That's not how this works. Um Okay. Um, Rachel, hello. Hello. <laughs> Why don't you indulge us with some fun opinionated questions? Happily. We'll start nice and easy. How about favorite book and favorite movie? Oh, easy. My favorite book is Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Top three book of my entire life. I just love how much we get to learn in it and just mm, everything. It's just Chef Kiss. Um, favorite movie? Uh, whew, that is a tie. Probably Sorcerer's Stone because I feel like it is your first introduction. I remember going and seeing that. Fun fact, I was really into acting as a child and I was convinced that my mother was going to take me to London and let me audition to be Hermione. I practiced my British accent. It was terrible, but I really thought that I was going to beat out Emma Watson. <laughs> so when I went and saw that, I really like, you know, saw myself in those films. Um, but I love that it follows it so much. And it's just that nostalgic feel of coming home and seeing Hogwarts for the first time. But the one that's tied with it is um, Prisoner of Azkaban, because, you know, that's such a turning point. You get serious, you get Lupin, you get all that fun stuff, a little bit darker. What? class would you add to the Hogwarts curriculum? Ooh. Um, maybe an art class. I always said that my magical job would probably be a magical portrait painter. So maybe I could teach the kids how to do that. Charm it with my little charms master's degree. <laughs> and then I'm going to bring back an old question because I don't think we asked you favorite characters. No. Um, I can give you a top four, maybe. We'll accept that. Okay. Uh, favorite teachers, again, is a tie because who can actually pick? I love Lupin. He is that father figure that Harry never had. He is just brave and loyal and everything that you would want 
Harry to have in a teacher. Um, Tide is McGonagall again, because like a mother figure that he never really had. Um, and just all of like her low key cheek and um, loyalty, all of the above. And then I have two favorite students. I think it goes without saying, I love Luna. She is just the best. She accepts people for who they are. She doesn't look for you to be anything that you're not. Um, She's creative. She thinks outside the box. And I just adore her for all of that. And I feel like she has a connection with animals, which I appreciate. Um, And then tied with her is Hermione. That was the first character I saw myself in. She was bookish. She loved to read. She was loyal and... um, I don't consider myself overly brave, but she was brave. So I wanted to um, emulate that. But yeah, those are definitely my top four. Were you a flyer? I was. You're a little brave. Okay, <laughs> Just straight up. You're a little brave. Yeah. Flying beats. Um, what about, where's my, my other favorites, Danny? Um, how about, we'll ask two Slytherin questions, not one, but two. Uh, Same question, different characters, I guess. Is Snape a hero or a villain? And is Draco redeemed in your mind? I'll start with Snape. I feel like there's something to be said about a gray character. And I know he's classified as gray, but as someone who reads a lot, I really appreciate that gray aspect of him. He made terrible choices. He bullied Harry and other students, um, which should never be accepted as obviously someone who (laughs) works in education and childcare. You want to treat every child you come across with the possibility of anything that they could become as they grow. Um, But at the same time, he dedicated his life to protecting Harry and being a part of the Order of the Phoenix. So he had redeeming qualities, but does it make up for what he did? I don't think so. Um, So that in and of itself just lends him to be like the perfect golden standard of a gray character. Um, Draco, I don't really think he got redeemed other than in Half-Blood Prince when he refused to kill Um, Dumbledore he had every opportunity to do so and he did not and I think that speaks more of to who he is versus of how he was raised and what he was expected to be I think you kind of have to like dig deeper than a surface level of the story to see that if he was redeemed I feel like it would be a little bit more surface level versus somebody who sits there and like analyzes every single thing that he did Steven are you going to ask your question of the season or am I going to go ahead and steal you it? You can steal it because, quite frankly, I don't even remember what it was. So Star Wars has had a lot of new things coming Oh, out. yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's a great question. What new content would you want to see from the Harry Potter or Wizarding World at Large universe? Ooh. That's tough because there's so many things coming out for Star Wars and my brain immediately goes there. So I have to like draw it back in. Um, I know that there was like rumors and they were debunked and everything about a limited series type thing, but I still think that would be really cool. Like a season per book or something like that, um, where we could get more of seeing them in their classes. I really think we deserve that after what they did to us with Order of the Phoenix. We didn't really get a lot of the meat of the story. Like we just got surface level. 
Um, I know it wouldn't be the same actors and everything, but I still think that would be really cool to see. Danny, I keep coming back to in my head, like, uh, I don't even know how it would work from like, a storytelling standpoint. Like, I don't know how they would tie them all together, but some form of just like a workplace type comedy, kind of com- like comedy drama that takes place just in Diagon Alley, right? Like where you've got like a Florian doing whatever the hell Florian does and Ollivander saying creepy shit to 11 year olds and uh, uh Madam Malkin, yeah, like I, I think that would just be fun. You just like want a day kind of, like, in the, the life series. Theme. Yeah, like I don't maybe after a long day, Ollivander goes over for an ice cream cone and just complains about how some kid blew up his store. You know, like whatever. I don't know, but that would be fun because I mean the easy hook is that uh JKR had written a whole much larger plot for Florian originally that got taken out in further edits of books. So there's obviously some form of backstory there that exists, if not in the canon directly, at least kind of in the theoretical universe behind the canon. That would be cool. Um, Yeah, that would be cool. I'd be down. I'd sign up. I'd also like to see a Broadway show that has a storyline that isn't universally panned for uh, eschewing the canon. Um, I'd really like that. Uh, that would be cool. If anyone out there wants to produce one of those or just make Puff's canon, I'd be fine with that too. Um, either or. Um, I'm fine pretending Chris Child just didn't exist, if y'all are. Fun fact, that came out right before we left for our honeymoon. So we pre-ordered it and my husband read it. Um, we started our honeymoon in Fort Lauderdale. So while we were out there, he was reading that and I was reading the historical fiction book I'm going to recommend to you. Um, and he was not a fan and neither was his sister. So he told me not to read it. I still want to see it because I heard that the stage magic is amazing and it's a great experience. But if they didn't like it, I I don't think I will either. <laughs> and, and like, this is going to be a rough metaphor, but to me, it almost feels like the durian fruit in that if you smell the durian before you taste it, you're just going to hate it no matter what you what it tastes like. And I, I remember getting the book. I was so excited. I got it from my package room in my apartment building. I said to my roommates, I am holding up in my room for the next like four hours. I'll see y'all then. And it was so disappointing. And so I've heard nothing but great things about the actual production value of the show. And I'm sure it's outstanding and the cast and crew put so much work into it, but it's durian. I smelled it. I can't, I can't taste it now. So why don't we get some book recommendations? Happily. So I put aside Three books per house to recommend. I hope that's not too much. And then um, two books that I would just recommend to any Harry Potter fan. So I'll start with Ravenclaw as it is my house. As an aside, I'm going to hold the book because I need visual help. So the first book that I'm going to suggest for Ravenclaw is a sci-fi. I feel like sci-fis are just such a fun mind experiment that I feel like most Ravenclaws would really enjoy that. It puts you in a almost alternate universe that you really have to learn and get to know to be able to follow. So the first one is To Sleep in a Sea of Stars by Christopher Paolini. He wrote an epic 
Dragon Saga that I did not read. So this was my first foray into his writing. It is an adult sci-fi novel that is the most inventive and unique sci-fi I have ever read. It was the most unique um, alien life force. It was a first contact kind of a story. And I am a, if I'm going to love a book, I need to love the ending. And this ending was not overtly predictable, but it felt like it was the absolute perfect way to end this story and give you hope for the characters in the story. Um, Danny, I saw you're nodding. Have you read this one yet or is it on your list? I actually read that one before it was released. <gasps> Lucky. So I really enjoyed that one. I also am a big fan of the Aragon series and he had started writing this when he was like 15 or something. Bonkers. Just talk about talent. Yeah, no. And I believe he has another one in the works. Yeah, I don't think that this one, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe that this is a series per se, but that he's going to write more stories in this universe. I think that, yeah, I think that's what I've heard too. Yeah, and I'm I'm down for every single one. It was, what, 900 and, or 878 pages of just mm-hmm. epic I have never read a story like that before. Exactly. And I think sci-fi can get so repetitive Mm -hmm. um, just in like all the things, all the tropes. And this was just so unique. So that was, that's my first uh, Ravenclaw. The second Ravenclaw, actually all these are sci-fi. I'm sorry for doing that to you all Ravenclaws, but (laughs) (laughs) hello, here I am. Um, The next one is The Illuminae Files. I kind of talked about escapism this summer. This is by um, Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. Uh, This is one of the books that I escaped to this summer, and I devoured these. They're another really thick book, but they are incredibly visual. I don't know if either of you have seen this series out there, but um, to circle back to Butter Beers and Mini Ears, she's the one who recommended it to me. Um, So it's like a series of emails and text messages and um, pages where the words look like the flight path of a ship. There was a page that I remember reading. I love to read in a bubble bath. (laughs) And I was reading this in a bubble bath and I had to spin my book 360 to be able to read it because the person's ship spun 360. Um, And it just really immerses you into this world. And these characters have to use their knowledge of, um, programming of hacking and um, dig deep within themselves to be able to problem solve to get through a um, basically like a pandemic on a spaceship and all sorts of other craziness. So it just screamed Ravenclaw to me in that they had to find all of this within themselves. This is a YA. So the main characters were under 18 or 18 years old. So I just found that to be awesome. (laughs) I just, I just want to say, as we're doing this, this feel, I'm loving this first off. Um, this feels almost like the book version of when Carissa Marston and Sarah Jones Dittmeyer, um, who I call SJD, I've never asked her if she likes it when I abbreviate her name like that. So either you're welcome or apologies, Sarah, um, when they do their house cocktails on Instagram live every so often. And they're like, this is a cocktail that's perfect for Ravenclaws. And this one's perfect for like, That's what this feels like, but with books. And I am so here for it. <laughs> well, that was quite the comparison. Thank you. Yeah, and, and like, it's healthier than cocktails. Not that cocktails necessarily are unhealthy, but 
you know, you can put coconut cream or something in a drink. You can put a lot of sugar. This is just great literary content. So like double whatever. This is great. Please continue. (laughs) Thank you. That takes us to our last one for Ravenclaw. This one is called Light from Other Stars by Erica Swyler. I'm not positive if I'm saying that correctly. Um, this one was recommended to me by um, Kate of Kate Can Relate. Uh, not this summer that just ended, but the previous. And this one is a sci-fi that, again, is super unique. So, Danny, if you like um, unique sci-fi and literally any Ravenclaw listening, highly recommend this. So our main character's dad is a scientist, and he is trying to find a way to slow down time so he doesn't have to see his daughter age. He wants to be able to be in this moment with her forever. So he is experimenting with this and it goes as wrong as it can go. And time completely slows down almost to a halt. And just the way that we are described how this happens, this little like time bubble is just brain melting (laughs) it's so unique how people within the bubble and people without like outside of the bubble are interacting with each other how time moves forward and um where they are in comparison to it um is just absolutely crazy um this book along with a dream that i had a couple years ago actually inspired me to um write a book myself that's pretty similar to this i've written two pages so i say that very lightly (laughs) But um, just the idea of how, like, time can interact with each other and, like, how it moves around and stuff like that. So those are my Ravenclaw ones. Um, Which house should I do next? Steven's a Hufflepuff, so that's probably the best choice for next. All right. These books are, again, some of my top favorite books in the entire world. The first one I'm going to recommend is The Book of Lost and Found by Lucy Foley. This book is all about travel and finding yourself through um, art and family and connecting the dots and experiencing all these beautiful new tropical places and trying new foods and drinking new drinks, making new friends, being open to new experiences. And if I could place our main character in a house, she would definitely be Hufflepuff and her experiences kind of follow along what a Hufflepuff would do if they were in the same situation. Um, It's just, it's a beautiful travel, finding yourself, finding your past kind of a story. The next two are much more mainstream. I will start with the um, Hunger Games series, our first one, Catching Fire. (laughs) I see lots of happiness with that. Um, I chose this one for a lot of reasons. Um, One being Peta is the boy with the bread. (laughs) He is sweet. He is kind. He is brave. He is loyal. He reminds me a lot of Cedric Diggory and um, the situations that he's put in are very similar to Cedric Diggory. So we get that kind of vibe and more of a dystopian feel. And then the last one, I know processing this Peta Cedric Diggory comparison. I can see it in his face. (laughs) <laughs> like, because they, they even, I mean, obviously they're both kind of thrust into a situation that, you know, isn't maybe where they, their personality would organically put them. But even all the way down to, like, both coming, well, Cedric's got daddy issues. PETA, by the looks of it, has mommy issues. But regardless, like, there's a lot of, like, expectations of parents and all of that. Uh, that oh, I'm here for I'm going to think about this one for a while. I Go on. I'm loving this. 
I've put a lot of thought into these. <laughs> um, the last one is my second favorite series, only to Harry Potter, the A Court of Thorns and Roses series. Um, like I said, I buddy read this with Gerald, but then I also encouraged every single human that I've ever met in my life to read this series. <laughs> um, so in talking to a lot of friends about that, um, Taylor of Butterbeers and Mini Ears, she asked me um, what house I would put our main heroine, Farah in. And I gave her Hufflepuff. I don't think she agrees with me, but I'm doing the recommendations here. So I'm sorry, Taylor. <laughs> um so this story, it kind of starts off, book one is a little bit of Beauty and the Beast kind of vibes, and then um, Hunger Games kind of vibes towards the end. So our main character is in the mortal worlds, and these fairy, magical, immortal beings um, live above this wall on their continent, and they have estranged relations, they don't get along, and there's just terrible lore behind the two. And she is put in a situation where she is taken from the mortal realm to live with these fairies and um, chaos ensues, <laughs> for lack of a better term. She um, basically has to inadvertently help save the world and um, the series progresses from there. But I find that her loyalty is very much like a Hufflepuff. She um, goes out of her way to be brave in situations where she is helping others, where she is putting um, her self at risk to help for the greater good. Um, but at the same time, she's strong and she's prepared and she's able to do these things, which I feel is a very puff trait. I am committing in the here and now uh, to all seven listeners and two people on this podcast that I am going to read. I've already read The Hunger Games so many times that I could probably write it at this point. Um, but I will read The Book of Lost and Found and A Court of Thorns and Roses both at some point in 2021. And I am a very quick reader, so that's not like a Stephen is slow and ponderous. But again, as we've talked about, Stephen doesn't know if he has time to sleep and eat tomorrow, much less read. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to get to those. I, I appreciate this. Yay. I think they're fantastic books. Um, which house should I do next? Well, let's do Slytherin. I mentioned SJD, so we might as well. Okay. So for Slytherin, the first book that I have takes us back to the Hunger Games. We have A Ballad of Songbird and Snakes. This is the prequel. I chose this um, one because of the green cover, <laughs> but um, on a deeper level, because we get insight into President Snow. If you have somehow managed to escape the crazy fandom of the Hunger Games, President Snow is the crazy person who runs Pan Am, their country that they live in, and is basically oppressing all of the people except for the rich. Hmm, sound familiar? I don't know. Um, so we get to see him as a young person, and he actually reminds me a lot of Snape in this. He and Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> Very much like Anakin Skywalker. So he starts out as a person who is trying to take care of his family. He is trying to do right by his family and right by all of the people who um, believe in him. He is smart. He is talented. He is loyal. And he is basically tapped to become the next, I don't know, like prominent leader within Pan Am, whether that be the president or something similar. And he is actually in this story taking place in the 10th Hunger Games, which is the first Hunger Games where we get um, mentors 
So he is a mentor in this game. And we get to see how he sees the, um, they're not contestants, the tributes. Thank you. He gets to see the tributes, <laughs> put up the three fingers, um, as humans and not just tributes. So that's really interesting because you wouldn't think that President Snow would see them as such. Um, so with all of that being said, we also get to see how similar to Snape with Voldemort, similar to Anakin with Palpatine, be subtly manipulated into becoming something that you wouldn't expect him to be. We get really philosophical. We get really psychological. Um, it's heartbreaking. It's interesting. It's a very different kind of reading. And I was enthralled from the beginning. And I would recommend this to any Slytherin who enjoys to read. Without giving it away, um, and I'm hoping that Danny will have pulled up the relative timeline in which we released our episode, so she can plug the episode, but without giving it away, did the last couple of chapters change your perspective on the book at all? Of uh, Ballad of Songbirds and Snake? Yes, ma'am. I don't recall the last two chapters very specifically. If you can give me a general idea of what they were, I can tell you. Annie, can you help give a general idea of what they were without giving away what happened? Oh, I don't... wait. No, I do remember now. I'm sorry. That's where um, our tribute runs away and all of the crazy happens and all that stuff. So, yeah, post, post tribute running away, where everything changes for our boy, uh, Cianus, um, when, when, his, when his life changes entirely and the book ends the way it does. I'm curious, and boy, this is such a vague coded kind of talk here, but I'm curious if your perspective on the value of the message the book is trying to convey changed at all with how she wrote the last couple of chapters. So because I don't remember it vividly and I remember the story more as a whole, I'm going to say probably not. I do remember talking deeply about this with um, Kayleen of Bits and Bobbin Shop. Her and I um, read it around the same time and we talked about it extensively. Um, I feel like I'm one of those people who, if I don't like the ending of a book, I won't like the book as a whole. So it as a, as a whole, speaking to the story as a whole and someone who has terrible memory, I uh, tell my children I am Dory. So I think, yes, it was fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't remember the last couple of chapters. I read it over a year ago, right when it came out. So for everyone, once they do read it, Stephen and I wrote, read it the first week it came out and I texted him when I had finished and he literally said, turn on the microphone, we're recording reactions. So we have an episode, it's from, it's May 26th of 2020, and it is at least my just put the book down initial reactions, and we just went through the book. So after you read the book, or if you're not going to read it, just go listen to us talk about it, but you should read it. Yeah, I have to check that out. Kayleen and I also did a two-part Instagram live that I saved on my IGTV where we discussed it. Um, there was also a significant amount of wine that was consumed by the end. So that could also tell you why I don't recall the exact last couple of chapters and more so the story as a whole. <laughs> okay. We're just going to do a spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. 
if you don't want to hear how the book ends, skip forward like a minute and a half and you'll catch up with the rest of the book wrecks. I promise. Okay. They're gone. So literally like all of a sudden it feels like on a hair, like a hairpin turn snow all of a sudden is like, wait a minute, there's no evidence connecting me to Lucy gray. I'm just going to murder her. And that just felt, I understand that a lot of that is kind of like the nurturing of how he's brought up with that killer, that literal killer instinct. But to me, it feels so contrary to the dance. He kind of went back and forth on the entire book where he was like, I'm playing this game. Cause like, it's the only thing I know, but I also feel really strongly about this girl. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, he's in the meadow, high in the meadow. Nah, 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 right. And he's just like, Hey, wait, the gun's been here the whole time. So it's not in a capital lab. She's dead now. And I was like, what the fuck? That like, it removed all of the humanity that I felt she was trying to build in his character the whole time in like that one chapter is kind of whatever. Okay. So I definitely thought that maybe there was something afterward that I totally forgot about, <laughs> but I, I do very vividly remember that and thinking like how, why did they both turn on each other like this? And I feel like you could kind of see that coming, maybe not to like a full extent of it, um, but he had turned down so many opportunities and then was finally turned down by her. And he had turned all those things down because he wanted to be with her. And then he felt in that situation that she was trying to take him out. And then she decided, or he decided to take her out. And it was just a back and forth. We didn't talk this through. I care more about my ambitions than I care about you. Um, and I know that the ending is pretty diverse or wait, divisive, pretty divisive. Um, I, I mean, she had to connect it back with the president snow that we know in the main series. So we couldn't just sit here and be like, Oh oh no, he had this deep connection. And then suddenly he's this terrible person. Um, Like I said, like with Snape and Voldemort and with Anakin and Palpatine, he had this person in his ear the whole time, just grooming him and slowly dehumanizing everybody else around him. Um, and then just kind of a series of unfortunate events. Yeah, I suppose I agree with all of that. I suppose for me, it just felt like so much of a, like a low and slow simmer. And then all of a sudden, like there was, like, there was no medium. It just went from kind of, you know, low and slow to just a high boil. I was like, wow, okay, like, fair enough. You know, like I've never been groomed into thinking torture and murder and all this kind of, so, okay, fair. Um, yeah, it just, maybe it's because I was rooting for some sort of a redeemable upbringing and just time kind of chipped away at him. Um, and this just felt so stark and sudden. Anywho, um, listeners, welcome back. Um, <laughs> We're going to continue with spoiler-free content here, uh, but please do go check out both uh, Rachel's Instagram Live stories from uh, her review with wine of Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes and, of course, our podcast from May 26th uh, covering it. Rachel, I've interrupted you about seven times during this book review, so um, we'll see (laughs) if I can leave it at seven, but go ahead. I feel like we're here to discuss these books, and I'm enjoying it thoroughly. So that was our first one for um, our Slytherin friends. Our second one for our Slytherin friends is The Bone Witch. And it seems that I have read most of these books with um, Kayleen of Bits and Bobbins. Her and I, this was our, how we became friends, was reading this book together. It's The Bone Witch by Rin Chupeco. Um, It is a trilogy. It's absolutely beautiful. It is a kind of darker side of magic. Um, 
it tells the story on two different timelines. And by the end, the timelines meet up with each other. Um, it was my first introduction to an enemies to lovers kind of a trope. So that was unique to me. I know it's an overdone trope, but I loved how they did it. Um, our main character, her type of magic, she's one of two remaining bone witches. I mean, it's called the bone witch. So she's a necromancer. And it starts off where she is grieving as a child for her brother who passed away. And she unknowingly raises him from the dead. And there is serious um, backlash, serious um, misinformation about what bone witches are. And uh, you eventually learn what their strengths are and how vital they are to this world. And I just find it beautiful that this like darker image of magic, which Slytherins are often painted as doesn't have to be dark, whether the magic is viewed as such doesn't make that magic wielder dark. So I put this with the Slytherins because I feel like, yeah, you can have dark magic, but you don't have to be a bad person. I know like Harry Potter, dark magic is different than this dark magic, but um, the same idea goes into play. And then the last book for Slytherins is the Cruel Prince series, the Folk of Air series by Holly Black. Um, I will say the first book was a little slow to start, but once we get into it and we hit the meat of the story, it is so cool. Again, we have that enemies to lovers, which I guess I find to be a Slytherin type of trope. Um, but just the type of magic that it is, um, the different characters and what they bring to the story, as well as knowing that almost every one of my Slytherin friends categorizes this as one of their top three favorite uh, series. So um, we have mortals in a fairy realm. The fairy realm is basically parallel to the mortal realm. Um, there's a little bit of um, envy in there of our mortal friends who are living within this realm and a little bit of um, making your way and kind of like world domination, like wanting to take over the throne for yourself. Strong female lead. So those are my Slytherin wrecks, which I guess would bring us to our last ones, which are Gryffindor. Is the first one the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe? I'll see um, myself out. It's fine. That was that was number eight. There we go. <laughs> it is not. However, those books are fantastic. Um, the first one is my favorite book of all time. Within like a week of reading this book, I got a quote from it tattooed on my body that tells you how incredible this is. We have another Sarah J. Mass masterpiece. It is Crescent City. Um, this is going to be a series, but we only have book one right now. And if she breaks my heart after this, I am just going to give up on life. Um, <laughs> but Crescent City has our main character who I would absolutely categorize as a Gryffindor. She is to quote Sarah J. Mass herself, loyal beyond death. Her friendships do not end when her friends' lives end. In fact, she dedicates her life to finding justice. She faces every situation with humor, with undying bravery, even if she's nervous. Um, we get some like awesome love story information in there. Um, a little bit kind of like book Jenny and book Harry, how they are together. Um, just witty, bantery, friends at first. And um, 
hopefully Sarah doesn't pull what she always pulls, but we have this really awesome fantasy world that is set in a city kind of a setting. And we don't get that a lot in fantasy. It is a true, like, I grew up right outside of Baltimore. I lived in there for a couple of years. Like I could imagine this kind of taking place in a fantastical Baltimore kind of a setting. So um, definitely, I mean, I would recommend this to any human who can read, but at the same time, I categorize it in Gryffindor because our main character, Bryce Quinlan is extremely Gryffindor and I love her so much. If we're really talking about authors who are going to break people's hearts if they don't complete the series, I just have to throw out George R. R. Martin, my guy, (laughs) the winds of winter and a dream of spring at this point really are going to be just nothing but a dream because you're getting up there in age and these books aren't showing up and I really need these books. I need a song of ice and fire to be completed because the TV show just doesn't do it. It doesn't do it. I feel about season eight of the TV show the same way I feel about cursed child. I wish it didn't exist. So just please finish the damn books. I know you're a listener, big time listener. We always get downloads out of New Mexico and there's no one else we know who lives in New Mexico other than you. So it has to be you. Um, Finish the books, my guy. Anywho, that's number nine, Rachel. (laughs) Thankfully, um, Crescent City 2 is supposed to be coming out in 2022. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what I saw. Um, My issue is that Sarah J. Mass likes to make you fall in love with characters and then be like, ha guess what? This isn't really who they are and make you hate them. So that's really fun. And I just hope she doesn't do that to us in this one, <laughs> especially um, with love interests. She loves to do that, but I'm rooting for it. <laughs> um, so continuing on with our Gryffindor recommendations, I have my probable favorite sci-fi series. It is The Themis Files by Sylvain Novell. The first one is Sleeping Giants. Um, I picked the first one specifically to recommend to Gryffindors because our main character, she starts off as a child and she falls into this hole. She's out on her birthday riding a bike and she comes to resting in the palm of this giant metallic glowing hand. And um, she goes through her life and she eventually ends up working as a like postdoctorate studying this um, possible alien tech. And I just find that to be so Gryffindor to take something that is terrifying as a child and sticking with it and learning as much as you can about it. And going forward, no questions asked, um, as well as the whole team that she comes up with and creates. They are all just brave and determined and ready to save the world and the galaxy as a whole. Um, It is written kind of similar to World War Z in that is in an interview format. So it's really quick and easy to read. Uh, I actually read the second book in one singular day at work when I was a bank teller. So (laughs) it is great. It grabs you and it really gives you those um, Gryffindor kind of vibes with our main character specifically. And then the last book, we're kind of circling back to one that I recommended for Ravenclaw. 
Um, it is part of the Illuminate Files. This one is Gemina. So again, it's by um, Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. We get that visual format that we got in the first one, but I gave the second one, Gemina, to Gryffindor because we get a new set of characters in this one. And I find these characters to be extraordinary in their Gryffindor traits. So they are taken completely out of their norm. We have, they call her like, galactic princess or something because her dad is the leader of the whole space station. So she's just looked at as this privileged spoiled girl who wouldn't know left from right. We get a um, male lead character who is basically part of a drug cartel and nobody expects anything of him. And they end up being our heroines of the story. They have to find it within themselves to, go solve these problems and put others before themselves when that wouldn't be like their natural outlook on things. Um, We face some really cool sci-fi things. And again, this one, just fantastic. This whole series, I guess I would recommend to (laughs) any uh, Harry Potter fan, but um, specifically the second one screamed Gryffindor and that first one screamed Ravenclaw. So those are my house wrecks. (laughs) So do you want to know my penultimate suggest to every Harry Potter fan to read outside of Harry Potter? Yes. It is the Bloodleaf series by Crystal Smith. The It is a trilogy. The first book came out 2018. The second, nope, 2019, I, I think it came out. The second book came out October 2020. So yes, the first one was 2019. And the third book should come out this October. Again, don't quote me on it, but she ha- she's very active on her socials. I'm sure she has it on there. It should come out around October 2021. So the first one is Bloodleaf. The second one is Greythorn. This is hands down the most beautiful fantasy story I have read since Harry Potter. So well thought out, so well planned. The magic system is incredible. Our main heroine, Harry Potter level, amazing. Um, The world that they live in, the struggles that they face, the sort of love story, the things that you don't know that keep you guessing every single thing about it. So our main character she is her name is Aurelia and she lives in a kingdom that persecutes witches and she was born a witch she has magic she has blood magic specifically so she can use like her blood to cast spells to do enchantments etc and she is also happens to be the princess of that kingdom so she has to hide her abilities or else she could be killed in public um people start to suspect Um, So not only does she have that over her head, but being the only female born to that, um, to the crown of their kingdom, she is now promised to the um, neighboring kingdom that they have been feuding with for decades, centuries, maybe. I don't remember the exact timeline that they have hated each other, but they, that's another thing that her people hate her for is that she is going to have to marry and bring the two kingdoms together. She doesn't want to do that. She doesn't know who this guy is. Um, so something crazy happens and she reveals herself as a magic wielder to all the people of her kingdom and she has to escape. So she goes with people that she trusts 
And she leaves her kingdom and heads away towards her new kingdom. Um, and she faces betrayal. She faces having to save both kingdoms to stop the overarching big bad, just all in this first book. I cry every time I've read it. It is absolutely beautiful. The second book was just as amazing and really is what put it on that Harry Potter level for me because of the amount that she thought this out, our author. It's just absolutely ingenious. And then we get a little bit deeper into the magic, just like we do each Harry Potter book. So hands down, 10,000 stars out of five stars. I would recommend Bloodleaf by Crystal Smith to any human being who enjoys Harry Potter. So I'm adding that for those of y'all out there who keep track of these things, which is like Maddie keeps track. I feel like Paula probably keeps track. Um, I'm adding that to my list. That my three recommendations, I know a couple of these are trilogies or series, so there's more than three books, but my three, you know, the book I lost and found, A Court of Thorns and Roses and Bloodleaf. I'm going to get on those this year. And you know, a princess who is in a kingdom who has magical powers, but uh, has to conceal them. Danny, do you know what that sounds like? What does that sound like, Stephen? Conceal, oh. don't feel, don't <laughs> let them know. <laughs> now they know. Let it go. Let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go. Let it go. Turn away and slam the door. Here I stand. Anywho. Um, Listen, why weren't you cast as Elsa? You know, I wonder that every single day. I have nothing but so much love and adoration for Adina Menzel, but I think I do it better. Should have been you. It really should have been. <laughs> Danny, is it time for some creator shout outs? It is time. Beyond, of course, all of the amazing creator shout outs that Rachel <laughs> just provided. It is time. Would you like to start, Stephen? So when I was talking earlier about some of the amazing kind of creators across the community, how we love hearing their passions and their stories, somehow I didn't mention my number one for this category every time, which is, of course, Sydney Dean from Sid Sketched, my favorite artist. If you listen to this podcast, you know I love her. If you're a human with two eyes, you probably love her too. Her art is incredible. Um, I still am a Patreon subscriber of hers. I have been since... I feel like day one, uh, her work is incredible. This February, she does a monthly print and sticker. Uh, February, she introduced us to this brand new character, Ivy. It's a gorgeous print, really cool sticker. Um, Sydney, you know I have nothing but all the love in the world for you. My second shout out goes to Marshall at Magically Marshall, who you, the listeners, will have heard. And any time that we talk about pins, especially in the context of Amy and Iana, Marshall comes up. Amazing human being. Marshall offered on a live sale last night. Uh, literally, <laughs> on a live sale with like 80 people, Marshall says, you know, Stephen, if you DM me, I'll, I'll, I'll set you up with some really cool frames. That Marshall makes frames for pins and, and boards. I'll set you up with some really cool frames, and all you have to do is pay for shipping. Uh, just don't tell anyone else. And she said it genuinely. Like, I don't think she fully thought through the fact she was saying it on a live with like 70 other people. Um, but I really appreciate Marshall just in general, that was just a really kind gesture that happened to me this week. My third shout out uh, is someone who is a TikToker, not on Instagram. This is the tease from the top of the episode. 
at Riley.Lupin, Riley, R-Y-L-I-E, is this incredible person from North Carolina who is posting all these TikToks with this song, when I start drinking, my dick does. And, it's, and she does this POV where it's different ships from, from the Harry Potter canon. Um, and so, and she has like different mannerisms for each of the characters. And they're so fun. Like ones with like Ron and Hermione and Harry and Ginny and Sirius and Remus and uh, Pansy and Draco. And it, they are just so funny. And I die every time. Like it's, I can watch them every single day. So shouts to you. No idea how to hear this episode. Cause again, you're not on Instagram, so we don't know how to tag you, but love your content. Um, and then the final one, actually, ironically enough, I didn't plan this, um, is a book recommendation. So one of my longest friends, someone who I've quite literally been friends with since her birth, um, she's a couple years younger than I am, a really good family friend. Her name is EJ Schwartz. Um, she is an author. She does a lot of YA. She is releasing a book this September. It's currently up for pre-order called Before We Were Blue. Um, and I, Danny, if you'll indulge me, I'm just going to read a little bit of like the synopsis of it. Um, get healthy on their own or stay sick together. At Recovery and Relief, a treatment center for girls with eating disorders, the first thing Shoshana Winnick does is attach herself to vibrant but troubled Rowan Parish. Shoshana, a cheerleader on a hit reality TV show, was admitted for starving herself to ensure her growth spurt didn't ruin her infamous tumbling skills. Rowan, on the other hand, has known anorexia her, her entire life thanks to her mother's chew and spit guidance. Through the drudgery and drama of treatment life, Shoshana and Rowan develop a fierce intimacy, and for Rowan, a budding infatuation that neither girl expects. So I have no idea if I'm actually interested in the subject matter there, like straight up, this is not just me plugging, like, but EJ has, EJ's, I've, again, I've known her my entire life and on her Twitter account, which is at by EJ Schwartz and we'll tag all this in the comments so you can spell Schwartz properly and all that good stuff. She does this thing every week called One Line Wednesday where she just posts like a little couplet of something she's written and every single time I just want to, I want, I'll read one. I want to learn so much more about the backstory behind it and everything else that I know she's thought through that goes into this little tiny snippet we get on Twitter. And she is one of the most creative and talented people I've ever met. So uh, the book's currently available for pre-order. You can check it out. Her Instagram is at ej.schwartz, S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z. Her website is www.ejschwartz.com. That's also accessible through her Instagram. Uh, the book comes out September 14th, currently ever pre-order. I already ordered Danny a copy and myself a copy. Um, it's only 10 bucks. I think there's a little bit of a sale on some of the websites I forget for pre-ordering. Anywho, I'm rambling, but EJ is so talented and I couldn't be more proud of her and happy for her. So uh, those are my shout outs for today, Danny. Rachel. If I can just add a little something to that. I'm sorry, just as somebody who has been involved in the cheerleading world for so long. I feel like that's a really, really important topic. I know myself as well as a lot of people that I have cheered with have dealt with body image issues and eating disorders and just knowing that you're not alone in that and knowing that there's the story out there that could help you find some uh, relatability within that. I feel like that's going to be really important. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I didn't... I 
the whole book connection again was not intentional. The fact that we're talking about books with you and I was, I was plugging a book tonight didn't even think about the secondary, not the secondary, but that the other connection to the fact that it's a book that has a cheerleader as a main character. That's kind of odd. Mm-hmm. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. Um, Rachel, I don't know if you have any more shout outs given the fact that you already <laughs> gave us so many incredible, but um, I mean, you've listened to episodes before, you know how this works. Is there anybody mm-hmm. you want to shout out? I do have three people that I wanted to shout out. Um, the first person is going to be a bookstagram person. It is Anna from One Foot in a Book. I love her profile. I love her rawness. She is a great friend to anybody that she speaks to. She has great book recommendations. Um, she also is really into fantasy romance. So I've gotten a lot of my um, recommendations from her. The books that I just finished um, from Blood and Ash, those were really cool, um, I found because of her. So I wanted to give her a shout out. She's lots of really cool content. You would really enjoy following her. Um, The second person is also probably more on the bookstagram side. She is um, Peachy Queen Cosplays. I don't know her on a personal level um, like I do Anna, but she does really cool A Court of Thorns and Roses, um, especially like for me. That's what brought me onto her page, as well as the Illuminate files that I talked about earlier. She does really fun um, reels. I'm not sure, sure if she's on TikTok. I don't have one personally, but I just I love the content that she creates. It's so fun. It's unique and um, really brings some characters to life. And then the last person is from the Pottergram, um, Just Magical Jess. Um, I've become friends with her over the last couple of months. Um, she's a really creative individual. I love her fun edits that she's been doing. She did something fun that was like a mesh up with Bridgerton. So I just, I really enjoy being able to talk to her and all of her fun um, content, her beautiful shop. I actually um, was privileged enough to uh, rep one of her first items Um, that she brought out and I use it every day and I think of her. So I wanted to make sure that I included her in my shout outs. So my shout outs are going to also be book recommendations and the authors that wrote them. I had one and then I had two because Steven started singing Frozen. (laughs) So um, her Instagram handle is Shan Diddy. Her name is Shannon Dittmore. Yeah. Do you want to give a shout out? Come on, just give us one. We're at the end of the episode. We're almost done. Who do you want to plug? Is it going to be an author of a really cool book or perhaps a content creator? Do you want to give a shout out? It doesn't have to be a shout out. Okay, mute. (laughs) i'm kind of impressed you got through the whole song with words this is what happens when i work just ghastly amounts of time with kind of very little respite for just my kind of lunacy to kind of you know rear its head and then i get done working i have unsalted tortilla chips for dinner and i say let's podcast and here i am Anywho, Danny, you were recommending a book by Shannon Dittmore. Dittmore, Shannon Dittmore. Yeah, okay. Uh, Her Instagram is Shan Diddy. She recently, it came out, I think October. It is called Winter, White, and Wicked. And it's described as a cross between Frozen and Mad Max. So Interesting. I 
read her first trilogy, which is quite a few years old. She's also a Harry Potter fan. So, um, but she also has been, they just announced that she's getting a sequel to the book too. So I highly recommend checking her out. And then another book I want to recommend is from, I have to check her name, Rachel Griffin. Her handle is Times New Rachel. Her first book will be coming out in June. It's called The Nature of Witches. I finished it this week. You should pre-order it. It was very good. Um, it's it's definitely like young adult, but it's so worth the read. I think I finished it in two evenings and I stayed up way past my bedtime reading them. Please send me the link to that. I will send you that link. So those are my shout outs for the episode. So thank you so much, Rachel. And thank you for all the book recommendations. Happy to do it. Thank you for having me. We're definitely going to get you back to just do random recommendation hour or not hour. That's long. That's the whole episode. But (laughs) Books and wine. We can make it a thing. Get it trending. (laughs) I wasn't sure if Stephen was going to say something there. That's okay. Danny doesn't know how to end these things. So. Well, usually you just yell cut. So that was great. Done. Cut. Cut (laughs) out. Awesome.